Okay, I want you to try again. This time you've got to say Views from the Sofa Presents. Go for it. Views from the Sofa Presents! Perfect. Hello and welcome to From the Canvas podcast. We are back. And joining me today is the co-host Dave. You alright mate, you okay? Yeah, long time no speak, how's things? Very well, thank you. Border this lockdown, but um, other than that, alright. We have got so much to talk about today. I feel like it has been literally months. I mean, it has been literally months since we last last spoke. Uh, a really dry January in terms of boxing, in terms of nothing else, but in terms of boxing, certainly. Um, and back with a bang over Valentine's Day. Um, so the jokes kind of write themselves for me, to be honest. Um, we're going to cover today um, all the fights that happened on the 13th of February. Uh, we're then going to have a little look forward to all the fights that have been announced all the way up to the 20th of March. We've got a really stacked part two, so I'm going to have to keep your thoughts to a minimum. Uh, and then we're going to go and look through Anthony Joshua's ninth fight against Dennis Baktov, um, for which I have almost half a side of notes. So that is something to look forward to and tease the listeners. Um, but I think, Dave, there's only one place for us to start um, today, and that's to talk about Josh Warrington. What an absolutely monster shock this was! I um, I can't, I can't still, I still can't believe it now. And we're recording it a couple of days after the fight. Um, it was a huge, huge surprise, wasn't it? I mean, I just can't believe it, really. Yeah, I'm, I, the there was so much to talk about in this fight and to kind of unpack. Um, but let me, let me. I mean, look, we've got to start off with the obvious. The the fourth round, Dave. The 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 Warrington knockdown. What was your what was yeah. your view on that? Well, he, he took he took an absolute beating in the in the fourth round, didn't he? And I, to be honest, I'm absolutely amazed that he managed to to make the the bell at the fourth round, yeah. which is partly to do with um, his tremendous fitness and grit and determination, which is very very commendable, but also to do with the questionable refereeing as well. Um, I thought I thought just on the fourth round on its own, uh, Lara. Took him to school, really, in, in certain aspects. Uh, I, I think he, he absolutely obliterated uh, Warrington. He took some really, really heavy shots, and like a lot, a lot of them. You know, when sometimes you see fighters go over um, and they've been hit with like one really clean, one really clean shot. Well, Warr- Warrington took about ten of them in that round. Um, and to be honest, I don't, I don't really know how he didn't. I mean, he obviously he went over the one time, but I don't. I just do not understand how he made the bell, and he was he was all over the place. Like he could barely even stand, could he? It was no. crazy. I, I, I've got to be honest. When I was watching the fight, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'd had a couple of beers. Um, but when I was watching the fight, it was a bit. It was almost like I was thinking, well, Warrington's really just got to get through, and he's got to grit his teeth. And actually, looking back on it, having watched it again, I'm not sure that is the right advice. I think it's. I think he was probably done at the fourth round. But having said that, I gave him the fifth. So, yeah, so, so, yeah. so, so there's a bit of a weird dynamic at play there, I thought. I think um, this fight boiled down to, I, I know obviously the fourth round was like the big the big swing in the fight and he, he took a heavy knock, knock down in that round. But I, I do think if you look back at the fight, I think the, 
the one key round was actually the first round um, because I actually I, I actually gave Lara the first round um, and he, he actually catches Warrington quite a few times in round one. Now, if you've watched Josh Warrington fight before, um, and obviously we've watched him against, you know, in big fights recently, like the Lee Selby fight, Carl Frampton fight, um, he's just he's just like an absolute bulldog, isn't he? He's tenacious. He comes out of the blocks like flying, really quick hand speed, throws loads and loads of punches and combinations. And sometimes he doesn't actually look um, the prettiest boxer, but he's just absolutely relentless in his work rate. And he just doesn't do that in round one at all. And um, really allows the Mexican kids, Lara, to, to sort of come into the fight. And he, and he throw, I mean, Lara, let's, let's be honest, like, what, what, you know, watching the fight back again, because I thought, I thought when I watched the fight the first time, I thought, I don't, I think, because they were saying, is it because Lara's fighting well or is it because Josh Warrington's fighting badly? And I think it was, it was more to do with Warrington being poor because I still don't think Lara's very good. I've watched it back. He he obviously punches very hard. You know, he obviously has like he obviously has power in his punches. But technically, he's he's pretty average, isn't he? He's quite wild. But for some reason, Warrington just defensively, he just kept getting he just kept getting tagged over and over and over again. And he just he just couldn't get away from him, unfortunately. Yeah, to quote our friend Luke, who um, is in the is in what is essentially the boxing WhatsApp group. At the end of the fight, you, you came away thinking, I'm not sure Lara's actually that good. Like he's just he's just knocked out and convincingly beaten Josh Warrington, who I have to say is one of the one of the people on my list of or, or was on one of my people on my list of like really solid, don't think many people are gonna beat him. And he beat him comfortably. But I'm still I'm still yet to be convinced that Lara's that good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think like I think um as a boxer, I think Sort of tactically and technically, he's he's pretty he's pretty average to be fair, and his record would suggest that. You know, he had a couple of losses coming into it. It's not really for many people of note. Um, but like I said, Warrington just Warrington just couldn't not take a shot. If that makes sense, like you know, when you sort of you expect him to box and 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 do well and come through rounds, but at least once and sometimes several times each round, he was getting hit with heavy, heavy, heavy punishment and um, it, it told in the end. I mean, like you said, though, it was so I, I, I watched it back as well because I, it, it did make me laugh, actually, on the commentary um, when, the, when the lead commentator cut to uh, Macklin, I think it's about round seven or something, and he said, uh, so, uh, so like, Macklin, what, what have you got it scoring-wise? And he was like, I haven't scored it, <laughs> which, yeah. which, which really did make me laugh because it was exactly what we were all doing, just completely engrossed by the fight. Um, but I have scored it, like, retrospectively, which is a dangerous thing because, obviously, you know the outcome. So it, is, it does sort of skew your perspective slightly. But I think I had Lara going into the fifth round ahead um, you know, quite comfortably. But like you, I, I gave Warrington the fifth. I thought he, he showed real guts and determination in that round and, and actually won it. But the, the, the level of skill in, in winning a round after being knocked out like literally two minutes earlier is, is quite unbelievable, really. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. Um, the thing I'm... is, though, the thing is, though, from round four to the end of the fight, despite the fact that Warrington won round five, 
you can still you can see you can see that he is not he is not right. Like sometimes, no, um, sometimes he would you know after going down in the fourth round, sometimes in like rounds five, six, seven, um, he'd go to clinch with Lara, and Lara would either push him or try and and he'd sort of like almost fall like stumble and 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 like lose his footing slightly and um, it was he was not in a good way at all, unfortunately. No, I, I agree. I agree. I have um, I'm having an increasing, I've, I've, I've an increased um view that the long time in lockdowns, not fighting, is really starting to influence boxers. I've got, I at the start of the podcast, and when we're talking last year, early last year, yeah, I think I probably had four boxers that I thought really solid. And they were like, and I'm, I'm excluding AJ from that just because I think that the year before we'd been knocked down by um, Andy Ruiz. And I had in that category, I had Daniel Dubois, going to go far. Didn't mean that to rhyme, but you know, I'm a poet, I know it. Um, Josh Warrington, Gillian White, and Tyson Fury. And I thought they were the four that I was like, oh, I really think, like, you know, you can put your money on. Um, yeah. And three of them have now lost. Uh, so that I'm either a terrible, I'm either a terrible pundit, in which case why people are still listening to this, I do not know. Um, or I think there is something in about about you know, if you're not fighting for 16 months, that you are going to have a ring rust on you. I think the issue, the issue with Warrington specifically as well, and, and I agree, it's the same for all of those guys. Like it, it, it is difficult, but I think specifically for Warrington, the big problem for him was that he was meant to fight. Um, sort of middle of 2020 and obviously that was delayed for the pandemic etc but he never he never got he never got that behind closed doors fight towards the end of 2020 and it's my understanding that he was he was offered like well not offered but there, there were dates that were falling through throughout 2020 and therefore um i think he was in camp for ages and we're talking like months and months and months now obviously normally um, if you're not aware, like a boxer would normally go into camp. It's normally about 12 weeks, isn't it, before the fight? 10 yeah. to 12 weeks. Um, and they'll, you know, the, I mean, Ricky Hatton, for example, you're going back to Hatton, he used to go into camp in uh, 12 weeks out and be like two stone overweight and then uh, and then shut it down. That might not be the ideal preparation, but um, boxers, don't, boxers don't live their normal life at their fighting weight. You know, they... they will be close or there and thereabouts, but they won't be at their fighting weight all the time because it's it's draining on the body, essentially. For Josh Warrington to get down to... I mean, what's featherweight? Is it, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Is it like eight stone or something yeah, like below that? Nine, it was below nine stone at the weekend, wasn't it? I, think I mean, that is, just, that is just ridiculous. Um, so to... to, to <laughs> I'm just I'm just chuckling because I'm just thinking about what I weigh um, and just thinking that's crazy. It's, it, might, it might be one of my legs. Um but yeah, I mean, to to what I'm saying is, is if you if you're preparing for a fight that you think is around the corner and you're trying to maintain that sort of weight and intensity in training, I think you, you can almost you can almost overtrain, can't you? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think I think that was an element of that, but I, I think he also has overlooked his opponent. The old, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but. There are there are some massive fights beyond Lara. Had he won at the weekend, and and I think he's not looked at not looked at the person in front of him. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think he's looked past it a little bit, to be honest, because he's because he's obviously given up his belt because he doesn't want to fight Kid Galahad, and I and I understand that because what's that? Where's that? Where's that going really? Um, 
I think he's gone, right, well, I need to get my world title back and I just need to beat Lara and move on to the next one. And actually, you can't beat Lara. And, and to be honest, that's a little, we've had a little bit of um, an Andy Ruiz moment, I think, with Lara. I'd, like, Andy Ruiz is, let's be honest, not that good. Um, but everyone's got, if, if people have got a couple of punches in them, you know, you, you, can't, you can't overlook them. Do you think um, do you think Warrington should take the rematch or not? Um, good question. I think he I think he will. I think he will because I think he needs to prove a point with the get. I think he needs to overcome that hurdle. I think it's a bit like AJ. I mean, I appreciate AJ was for the belts, but I think Warrington is not going to move on to something better now, is he? In, but if he has a comprehensive victory over Lara and shows. Shows it was a bit of a one-off, and it was you know blame lockdown, blame yeah, fractured jaw and whatever. Not that's a you know, that's a really reasonable blame, but um, I, I think he will. What about yourself? You you ask that question thinking he won't? I, I well, I just wonder if he should. To be honest, I wonder if he should. I, 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 just because because I, I, you've hit the nail on the head with the AJ comparison. AJ took the rematch with Ruiz because Ruiz holds the world title belts, whereas Lara doesn't because this wasn't a world title fight. I appreciate it looks a bit. It looks a bit sort of, um, dare I say, it, weak if you don't take the rematch. But I, I just don't. I just wonder if there's enough in it for Warrington um, to take the risk. To, to be honest, but I just think Lara has now got a fair claim. Then why would Josh Warrington get a world title about shot ahead of Lara now? Oh, I don't think you can. Well, I think yeah. I think he's he's moved down the queue, with Warrington, hasn't he? Unfortunately. Yeah. I'm very conscious that we've talked about this fight at length. It's probably the longest about any particular fight in the history of uh, from the Campbell podcast. So what I'm going to do is ask you another question before we move on. Um, so w- what I think is really interesting was that Howard Foster was refereeing that match. And Howard Foster is probably the most recognisable referee in my mind because he's the one where uh, he, he um, called off the fight between Foch and Groves. Yeah, and I would say, and there might be a final thought, or you feel free to comment on it, is the difference between how Groves was against Frotch when he got waved off versus how Frampton was in the fourth round when he was allowed to continue was unbelievably stark. So from a consistency and refereeing perspective, I don't know how you can look at those two things and say they were the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm absolutely staggered that it went beyond that fourth round because um, Warrington was all over the show. I mean, he, he couldn't stand up. He, he was, it was desperate, desperate thing uh, times for him, and I, it should have been. It should have been weighed off. There's no. I don't think there's any. There's any question about that. I think the other thing is is that it wasn't for a world title. So, I, so I, I know it shouldn't make a huge difference, but I think if he was a world title holder. You sort of give them every chance, don't you, to keep cling on to the world title. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I give that. Argue. I'm not sure. I give that argument much credence because it's it really impacts. It's going to impact Warrington's career ultimately. This, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I just think you know, like you know, as an undefeated fighter who's given, who's you know, vacated a world title, you can go in the Tyson Fury armor, lineal champion, which I'm not sure. Like, which I totally understand and. and you love the marketing spin on that, but yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure how I feel about well, that. I, I wrote to you just as a final point. I wrote to you in that what in in a WhatsApp message watching that fight that this is torrid for for Warrington, and that is that is what it was because that it is was. gonna that is gonna like really impact his career just just because of the physical beating that he took. Yeah, he didn't look after that fourth round. I mean, he won the fifth, but he didn't look like he was ever gonna actually win the fight. No. At that point, you got to call it. But hey. 
Right, Dave, that is that is um, quite enough. I just have one uh, one other quick um, just just t- talking point from the weekend. Then, so uh, Zalfa Barrett versus Kiko Martinez. Um, Eddie Hearn called the scoring a disgrace. Any thoughts? It was a disgrace. Absolutely, there's, there's no question about it. Um, I don't I don't think you watched this one because you were watching the Mars Singer, weren't you? Um, <laughs> so I did, I did watch it, thank you, mate. But yeah, Mars Singer was good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a disgrace, um, and 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 fair play for for Eddie Hearn for coming out to say that as the promoter, um, because I think I think um, you know how can you expect how can you expect fighters to come over from other countries to fight in the UK if we're handing out decisions like that because it was absolutely scandalous. I mean, if you if you if you'd watched uh, a British fighter get a decision like that in, say, Argentina, you'd be going, oh, my God, the bloody Argentines or whatever. Um, it was it was awful. Um, I mean, Kiko Martinez, for me, I think I think I had it 7-5 to Martinez, but you could make an argument for 8-4. Um, he, looked, he looked sharper. Um, he boxed really well. He's quite a small guy, um, Kiko Martinez, but he, he boxed really well on the inside. And I, I don't think Zalfa Barrett deserved the decision at all. I, I I didn't think it was even that close. You could possibly make an argument, you know, sometimes with scoring, it depends on what you like, doesn't it? And you could maybe make an argument at, at best for a draw, you know, but to, to score it, I mean, what, what were the two cards? The two cards that scored it heavily for Barrett? Was it 8-4 was it to Barrett? Was it? No, it was, I think it was even wider than that. I don't know off the top of my head, but I think it was even I think it was even wider than that. It's absolutely just, like ridiculous, and I think um, I think Eddie Hearn's already said that they're going to have that fight again, aren't they? Um, yeah, I think. I'm now frantically looking up to see if I can find it. I, I think it was either eight four. It might have even been eleven two. It know, was um, 111 on two of the cards. So that is that is crazy. So that's that's absolutely madness. Um, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it when when they when when they announced it. I think Zelf Barrett's a lucky, lucky boy because um, he's already lost once going into this fight, and um, he's built he's built his career back up quite well recently with a, a, a few decent wins. Um, and this was like uh, this was a perfect fight for Zelf Barrett because Kika Marcez has been in world title fights before, having although he's lost them, but he's been at world title level. Um, and this was a really good sort of stepping stone fight for for, for Zelfa Barrett. That I, for me lost it like quite comfortably, um, and he'll need to really improve to win that rematch. Yeah, totally agree. Cool. Okay, mate, that's really good. Uh, just quickly one. before to cut across you, before we move on to part two, just a shout out to the um, listeners. If you want to watch another really decent fight from the weekend. That is worth watching. That is the British featherweight title fight between um, uh, Lee Wood and Reese Mould. Really, really, really good fight. I'd highly recommend it. And a really, really good knockout for Lee Wood in the ninth round. So enjoy. There you go. Pretty, uh, recommendations as well. It's like a book yeah. club, apart from it's uh, absolutely not. Thanks that, that, was, that was when you were watching The Masked Singer, that one. So you, you, you did miss that. Mate, I'll tell you what. Spoilers, but Neo coming out. What a shocker. Thanks. <laughs> hey, guys. This is WWE NXT superstar Dominic Dijakovic, and I want to give a shout-out to the Wrestling Predict Cast. And this amazing podcast picks the winners of pay-per-view matches and sees how the uh, the outcomes turn out. I think it's an awesome podcast, and you should definitely tune in. 
Be sure to feast your ears on the Wrestling Predict Cast. So, Dave, back for part two then. And you know what? Having had uh, a real Valentine's Day treat on the 13th of February, not only that, but we've got a lot, a lot of fights pending um, all the way up now till the 20th of March. So, having uh, discussed it with you before the pod, unbelievably, we do prep for this before we start talking. I think it's a really good opportunity to do um, a fast-paced uh, Dave's thoughts on each of these boxing matches. I've got seven that I want to talk to you through, and I'm going to give you uh, 90 seconds to hear Dave's thoughts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to start with the ones that are furthest out, and then and then and on the undercard, and then we'll work backwards. So uh, I'm going to start you off, Dave, and I'd love to know your thoughts on Lawrence Akoli versus Glowacki. Well, firstly, just happy that um, Akoli's getting this fight because obviously it was meant to happen last year, but it was called off uh, for COVID reasons. So uh, Lawrence Akoli going for his first world title against Glowacki, who you know has been in that level before. It's going to be a really tough ask for Lawrence Akoli this. Um, but I do feel, as I've said before on this pod, that this is a bit of a Charles Martin moment for Lawrence Akoli. Um, yeah. And I, I just think this might be the perfect the perfect time for him to strike and get a world title. It's one of those where he's going to have to get a world title in order to be in the conversation at world title level, if that makes sense. No, it, um, it absolutely does. I think yeah. just got his entry, it's, an, it's a jump on point, isn't it? That's all it is. It is. So I do think Akoli wins, but it is probably, well, it is his hardest fight to date, definitely. Yeah, mate, 50 seconds. And I can't, I can't disagree with any of that, to be honest with you. I really... Um, I think I think that's exactly right. I think the the comparison with when AJ fought Charles Martin, which spoilers will come in future episodes. Um, I think he's, he's absolutely right. It's jumping on point for a world title, and actually a world title is a world title at the end of the day. Although, um, yeah, some some probably carry a bit more weight than others. Right then, mate. So that was the 20th of March. I'm now going to move on to the 6th of March, and I'm going to start with the undercard um, for this event. Which, uh, we'll start with Cheeseman versus Metcalf. Yeah, just um, all I wanted to say about this is to really keep an eye out for Ted Cheeseman here because he's coming off the back of a really excellent um, performance against Sam Eggington in the fight camp um, last year. That was a really, really good fight. And uh, Ted Cheeseman is uh, somebody that I really am rooting for now. You know, he's overcome his gambling addictions and, and what I understand, that's still something that he battles on a daily basis. And, um, you know, fair, fair play to him. So um, I hope I hope Ted Cheeseman wins, and I hope he goes onwards and upwards from here because um, he's uh, he's exciting to watch. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I really like. I I totally agree with you. Cheeseman is a, is like a dogged fighter. It's not something you're going to sit back and go, "Well, it was a technical masterclass," but he is gritty teeth and uh, like a, a, a good watch. He yeah. he's been in and around some of the um, Saturday night non-box office uh, cards, which. So it's nice. I guess this. I guess that he's now on box office with this one, um, yeah. and I think it's a real chance for him to shine. I never think he's going to be a main eventer personally, um, but you can get. You always if, get. Really I think without doing him a massive disservice, you kind of know what you're going to get with Ted Cheeseman, don't you? And it, it, it's always going to be an enjoyable watch, um, whether it goes his way or not. So um, good luck to him. 
yeah, good luck to him indeed. Okay, mate, and then on the undercard of the uh, uh, again, um, we'll come on to the main event shortly. Is Wardley versus Molina? So Fabio Wardley versus Eric Molina. Yeah, so Fabio Wardley's the um, the sort of uh, he's some, he's on Dillian White's um, radar. Is he like he, Dillian White manages him and um, has brought him through from sort of white collar boxing all the way through to um, the professional ranks, and he's looked fairly decent up to now, albeit with. Um, not the greatest of opponents uh, so far. This will be a significant step up for him um, in terms of uh, what he's fought so far. But it's one that I, I actually do expect him to to pass. Um, we both went to the AJ Molina fight at the MEN. Um, can you remember it, mate? I can remember. I can remember the MEN. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, we and uh, obviously AJ dispatched Molina quite comfortably. So. Um, I, I do think that Wardley will, will win this, and it's uh, he's, he's one to keep an arm for, on for the future, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I'm not basing this in any way on what we saw at Manchester, um, but I, I do, I do quite like Eric Molina. I feel like he does a, he serves a purpose. He's kind of in the David Price category for me, where you never, he's not, he's not a joke by any means, like a really decent fighter. Just like whenever he seems to fight against. Like he's, 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 there's a bit of a glass ceiling with him. He's never going to get to the yeah. to, be, to beating people like AJ or Fury or White or probably Povetkin or I think he fought Dominic Brazil before and a lot of that. He's lost to uh, Wilder, um, so you know I think he's got. I think he's. I think he's a second tier heavyweight. Yeah. Um, but will be a good test for Fabio Wardley if he wants to get anywhere with his career. So I'm I'm with you on that. And talking of heavyweights, then, mate, um, we're flying through these. Um, let's, which is uh, which is unexpected but delightful. Um, White versus Povetkin. I'm so looking forward to this. I am so 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 looking forward to this fight. It's got everything that you you want from a box office fight. It's got real like spice to it because of uh, what happened in the first fight, um, where Povetkin delivered that sensational knockout and such a surprise, um, such a surprise result, but. It was such a great punch, probably probably right up there, um, right up there for knockout of the year last year. Um, that that punch, it was tremendous. So uh, this is such a pressure fight though for Dillian White, and um, one that he'll he'll 100% be taking, you know, very very seriously indeed. Um, it's essentially his career, really, isn't it? This fight. Well, I was going to say to you, is it too much to say his career's on the line? And 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 I think it. I think, I think his career, his career in terms of world title level, yes, is on the line. Yeah, but then, but then you say that, but you just see Chisora and uh, Hay for a while, and people like that just bobbing around, like Povetkin. Like I think we've had, I think his career's been on the line about three times, uh, and he's lost all of them. He's still bobbing around. So I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much credence I put into that, but I, I agree with you. I think. White has to win this and has to win this comprehensively to be considered in the sort of same elite tier um, that he wants to get into, basically. Or I, or I worry that he's going to fall into the category of of the people we've just meant of, of the um, of the Povetkins and the Prices and the Molinas and the yeah. and be, be the best of those. But that's not where he wants to be, is it? I mean, we'll go we'll go into it in more detail as the fight draws nearer. But I mean, Dillian White is just one of the most unlucky boxers on the planet, isn't he? Because even if he wins this fight, it's looking like he's not going to get a world title shot this year because he's going to have to wait for the Fury Joshua stuff to happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he has to wait and wait and wait. Um, but he needs this. He needs this big time. 
And you, I can't wait for it. It's going to be so good. I, I was going to ask you if you're going to back him, but what I'm going to do is just run through the um, fights at the end and get your your predictions. Can't wait. Um, Herring versus Frampton is now is the 27th of February. I've got two two fights for the 27th of February, which I assume are separate. We'll come on to that in a second. So Herring versus Frampton, mate. Carl Frampton. Yeah, so it's, this is a really interesting one. Carl Frampton going for his uh, third weight class world title, which will be it will be the first Irishman to do that if he does succeed, which is which is really impressive. Carl Frampton's a real class act, um, and has only lost to you know the best of the best. Uh, Jamel Herring's a bit of an interesting character. He's um, had an interesting life, served in the uh, the U.S. Army and and all sorts. So um, he looked distinctly average, Jamel Herring, in his last outing, um, and only managed to get the 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 contest because it was it was ruled a no contest for headbutting um so i think i think carl frampton's getting jamal herring at a really good really good time and um i think he's going to do the business although you wanted my predictions at the end didn't you but um yeah i think i think it's a good fight for carl and um i expect him to come for it but i think it'll be a good one because jamal herring as well by the way just before just for him is an absolute freak he's enormous for the weight so that w- that will be that will be a test for Frampton. Excellent. I look forward to that. I I uh, yeah I'll share my thoughts on that as well um, at the end. But yeah, I, I think Frampton I think um, Frampton is called this at just the right time, um, and I'm looking forward to that fight. I think that's a B I think that's a BT one. Is that USA or is that um, or is that UK? I think it's in the US. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Uh, talking of foreign fights, look at that segue, mate. I'm actually on fire today. Um, we have Joseph Parker versus Junior Far, uh, and I'm going to guess that's the pronunciation. I was, I have written down here FA, um, <laughs> but I assume that's not how you pronounce his surname. Um, so Joseph Parker, uh, I, I believe, fighting in New Zealand. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on this fight, though? This is this is a really interesting fight. This because you've got. Joseph Parker, who's obviously established former heavyweight champion, um, has fought a lot of the big boys out there. Um, unluck- very unlucky to lose to Dillian White, to be fair. I thought he could have got he could have got the decision in that fight, and he probably should have stopped Dillian White in the 12th round, but Dillian managed to come through. Um, against uh, GFR, who is like one of the up-and-comers. He's... Uh, He's unbeaten and he's got a really impressive record. And so if you're looking at it from a Joseph Parker point of view, it's a massive fight for him because he can't afford to lose to this fella because if he loses to, to Junior Farr, then you can forget about a world title for the um, in the immediate future. Um, but if he wins, then he's he's right back in the conversation. And it's the same, the, you know, the same could be said for Junior Farr. If he beats Joseph Parker then, you know, fair play, he's, um, he's elevated himself right up the list. So um, I'd be interested to see what the outcome is here. I, I, I'm not too sure on what I thought, think about who's going to win, but um, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think you're very generous um, in terms of Joseph Parker. Uh, I don't think he should be anywhere near a world title ever again. Um, <laughs> To, to be to be blunt, I think he was Charles Martin for a short period, but a slightly more a slightly oh, harsh. a slightly more able Charles Martin. I'll give you that. Um, less of a dick, um, but but yeah, um, I think he, I don't think he's anywhere near. I don't think he's even in the top 
I think it would be unreasonable to say not in the top 10, but I, he's certainly not in the top five heavyweight, so I don't think he should be anywhere near a world title. He should have beaten, he, he should have beaten Gillian White, though. Yeah, he should have done, but it didn't. Uh, well, yeah, well, true, true, true. I, I think that's a bit harsh, but I, I, I understand, I do understand the essence of your point, is that where do you place Joseph Parker in the rankings? And he, he you know, he, he probably probably does struggle to make the top 10, in fairness, but... um. But yeah, I, th- I think he's st- I think he's still I think he's still there or thereabouts. But he needs to win this one. If he doesn't, then he, he he'll drop right down. I understand the essence of what you of your point is the nicest way I've ever heard anyone say you're talking at your ass. I will say that, guys. It's so, so polite, so so much politer than I am, which is uh, a war. Um, okay, right then. Finally, mate, uh, the twentieth of February. If I've got my maths right, because I'm working backwards. Josh Kelly versus David Avanessan. Avanessan? Yeah, um, so this is, this is going to be a good one. Um, I've, I've been really, from what I've seen of Josh Kelly, um, and admittedly hasn't fought that much recently, um, I've been quite impressed. And, and certainly, if, you, if you're asking me for fighters to look out for, if we were talk, doing this pod, you know, four years ago, then Josh Kelly was definitely one that I was thinking on, you know, he's one to really, really watch out for. Um, I think his career slightly stalled in uh, recent years. That's partly to do with the pandemic and partly to do with, you know, other bits and pieces. But I, um, I'm really excited to see him in this one. It, it, it should have been, I think it's been rearranged about four times this fight. Yeah. Um, which is frustrating for everybody involved. Um, they were meant to fight in 2018, but um, Josh Kelly pulled out the day before the fight with illness, which to me is a, doesn't sit too well with me, I must say. Um, and, I, and I believe it didn't sit very well with the, the Russian lad at all. So there's a lot of bad blood um, between the two, which is, uh, for me, is always great for a boxing fight. You know, I don't want them to... I, I, I really don't really don't want boxers to be you know walking to the ring best mates and with loads of respect i kind of like it when they're just like really don't like each other um, yeah, i think it adds a, it, it really adds an element to it um, and that's the case for this one so um yeah i'm excited to see this one i think if josh kelly wins this then i think um it's connor ben isn't it after that and that is uh that's a great one to look forward to so hopefully he does yeah, and I think I don't think you can justify that box office. So that's going to be a real interesting like Saturday night Saturday night fight. Um, I'm I'm, I'm t- and just to, just to f- finish oh I'll finish off on that. I am totally with you on the I I can't stand the mutual respect stuff after the fights as well. Like I really I I, I always want you just to if you want to show mutual respect, show it like out the back where we can where we don't see it, and there we got we got the niggle. Like you know, it's like. I remember like some of the fights we watched, and you go in. There's definitely gonna be a rematch here. So why are you two like best mates now? Because not it's less believable when you start like slam, giving all the slander in the media. Anyway, right, Dave, that was very quick, man. I didn't have to call you. Up. I didn't have to call you up on a nine-second warning on any of those fights, which is actually unbelievable. Uh, considering we talked about probably the first one fight for longer than all the others combined, okay? <laughs> worryingly inconsistent. But I mean. <laughs> this this the podcast is not the staple of consistency. So, um, all I'm going to do there quickly is I just want to have your um, predictions, and I'll, I'll give mine as well. So, in the order we went through them, Lawrence Akoli versus Glowacki. Akoli. Yeah, I agree. Wardley Molina. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Wardley on this. Yeah, me too. Cheeseman Metcalf. Uh, 
I'm going with Ted Ted Cheeseman because I, got, I, I love Ted Cheeseman. Go on, Cheeseman. I'm also going with Cheeseman. This is a worrying, worrying state of affairs. White Povetkin. Oh, I'm really struggling with this one. Genuinely, I'm really struggling. I am gonna, I'm gonna go with Dillian White on this one, but I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be really close. I just think it's, I just think that the first fight, I really fancied Dillian White, big style, but this one, I think the pressure is so enormous that it could be a big factor. But I am gonna go Dillian White. Cool. Um, Her- Herring versus Frampton. 100% Carl Frampton. I totally agree with what you said. I think he's getting Jamel Herring at the perfect moment. So I, I think I think Frampton will win this. Um, I think it'll go the distance, but I think he'll win it on points. I think it's very generous that you said it was um, my point. Well, I think I just absolutely took yours. Uh, Parker versus Junior Far. I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back Joseph because I know you you think he's an absolute useless waste of space. So I'm going. I'm going Parker. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm also going Parker. Um, whilst I do think he is a waste of space in the world, like in the world title rankings, he is very much the best that New Zealand has to offer, and it, it, it I think that's, I think that is, that is, that is abundant. Uh, so I think we're agreed on all of these, uh, and now we're on Josh Kelly versus David Avanesen. I don't know why I keep, I don't know why I keep saying his surname incorrectly. I just should just, just say, just say it confidently. <laughs> Josh Kelly versus versus opponent. <laughs> um, I'm going Josh Kelly on this. I'm going Josh Kelly. Lovely. Okay, mate. And I am as well. So there you go. If you want to know how not to bet going forward, um, those are the predictions to avoid. To avoid We've got yeah. Josh Kelly, Joseph Parker, Carl Frampton, Dillian White, Cheeseman, Wardley, and Akoli. Enjoy. I think Metcalf, the only one there that isn't the favourite. Uh, sorry, I think Metcalf's the only one we've predicted. We haven't predicted who is the favourite. So, um, yeah, that'll be that. That one in particular will be a really interesting fight. So, good it luck. Yeah. Good yeah. luck to Mr. Cheeseman. Right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Coming soon to the Views from the Sofa Network is the Team Sheet, brought to you by the people behind From the Canvas podcast. The Team Sheet is a football podcast like no other. Each episode, the team sheet brings you a top 11 based on a set criteria, from the sensible, like the top English footballers, to the not-so-sensible, like the best footballers with food-related names. To get involved, look out for the team sheet coming this March, and for more details, go to viewsfromthesofanetwork.com. So we're back with part three then, Dave, and as always, we're going to finish... Um, with our AJ A to Z for of fights, and we are on to the ninth fight, and this one was AJ versus Dennis Baktov. Now you just said to me before we started recording that you rem- remembered the fight, and weirdly I did also. Um, which is I have I have vague recollections of a lot of these fights, but not like I have a quite a vivid memory of this one. So that 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 is a strange. We both thought the same. Um, a quick introduction to the fight, Dave. What did you What did you think? Um, well, I think I think the reason that you and I both remember it so vividly, um, I, 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 it's one of those ones. I turned on, I saw the opponent, I thought, oh yeah, I remember this one. And that's not that's not been the case for all of the AJ fights that we've done so far. Um, I think the reason we both remember it is because this is definitely AJ's best performance to date at this point in, in his ninth fight. I thought he was absolutely punch perfect in this fight. 
yeah, I, I agree. So Dennis back 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 tough. Um not a joke, not a joke, not a joke of a fight. Like quite a decent um history, seventy uh, seventy, forty seven fights, thirty eight wins. Bit of a journeyman. Um the only name really I spotted straight away when I was looking for his boxing record was Danny Williams. Um I keep forgetting about Danny Williams, but he's fought everyone, hasn't he? Um so so I I thought I thought a pretty solid opponent for AJ at this point. One that you expected him to win, but probably one that you expected Joshua to get a couple of rounds um, against. Is that, is that a fair assessment of Baktov? Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, I, they said on commentary during the fight that um, Baktov had never been stopped inside four rounds and uh, before this fight. And I think that was that's clearly one of the main attractions for Joshua in this opponent. Um, like, like you said, I think it's a good step up. Like this was for uh, the WBC international title. Um, so Joshua's first um, stab at a title belt. And um, yeah, I think, I think obviously the, the idea behind this opponent is the step up in quality, but also Joshua desperate in these rounds. Uh, yeah. just blow, he's just blowing people away in rounds, you know, in one to two rounds. And, I think Robert McCracken, his coach, is probably thinking well, he could do with, you know, he could do with four, five, you know, possibly even six, like really solid uh, rounds that he's going to win comfortably. But at least, at least, there's going to be somebody in there with him that he needs to concentrate for that period of time. Um, but it didn't prove to be the case, did it? <laughs> no. Well, my 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 notes are um, brief. Joshua tagged him at one minute and then looked dominant. That was the first round. Uh, <laughs> and your one-word summary day for the round? Brutal. Brutal. There you go. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know, listeners. Don't. It's almost like we're painting a picture of our words, really. Um, we would encourage you to watch it yourself to to think of your own singular words to describe it. But yeah, I think dominant and brutal is a really good description of the first round. And then. Inside the first minute of round two, it really, it really steps up a gear. Um, Joshua was not willing to pay him for another round. Um, there was a there was a weird moment in the first minute where the referee sort of jumped in, but then there was no standing ten count, no waving it off. Yeah, just sort yeah. of broke them up, but, but by fully by fully jumping in, which is this brave. is um, this is something that we picked up on in the the recent AJ fight against Pulev where. Um, the referee did something similar and stepped in, but didn't give Pulev a standing 10k. And I'm I'm a bit um, I always sort of question like what what are the actual rules here? Because the referee the referee in this fight against Backdog, he clearly he clearly comes in to stop the fight, doesn't he? That is definitely I, I when he when he steps in at that point. That is definitely his intention is to wave off the fight. And then I think he sort of separates them. As a look at Baktov, and he looks, I mean, he, his face is a mess, but he, he thinks, oh, actually, maybe he can box on. But then he just lets Joshua come in and hit him twice more, and then he stops it anyway. It's, it's, yeah. really, it's really, really strange. Yeah, there are, there are some, uh, we've, we've said this in a couple of podcasts, there are some interesting kind of refereeing approaches to this. I, I, get, I get the need to... I get the need to protect boxers. I totally do. And we started this episode with like a whole big piece about that. Um, but Baktov was never winning this fight after the first minute he was never winning this fight so if you need to step in to protect him then, but then let him fight 
Um, it doesn't just doesn't make just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think if you're the referee, if you if you feel that because obviously stepping in to stop a fight is clearly um, it's obviously a big decision because it's ending the fight, but also it's it's like a split second decision, isn't it? It's going to be one where you think actually no, I've got to, I've got to call it now because because obviously if you leave it one or two more seconds, that could potentially be really damaging for the boxer on the end of the punches. Um, so it is a split second decision, but I think once you have stepped in to separate them with the intention of calling it off, you just need to wave it off. Don't don't then don't then like second guess yourself and think, well, actually, maybe I've maybe I've called it off a bit early, but then only give the guy another like two or three seconds anyway, and then wave it off. It just seemed like he let Joshua hit him twice more for no reason, really. Yeah. I agree, and I, and I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> and I don't know if this was me seeing things or if, or what I was watching quite, but it seemed that Baktoff was nodding as the referee waved it off. He was yeah. like, "Yes, you've made the right call yeah. eventually," which is yeah. never really a great sign in a boxing match if, if the yeah. opponent is going, "Yeah, fair, actually." You, I, 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 get, I, I think if you look, look at the fight as a as a whole. If you look at like the first sort of thirty seconds, Baktov looks use, use, useful in that in that thirty seconds. You know, he slips outside a couple of jabs, and you think, oh, you know, maybe this guy's got a little, a little something, a little bit of nous that can offer some sort of um, uh, something to Joshua. But I, th- I just think, jo- I think, I think if Joshua was having an average night, he would have still obviously won the fight. But it probably would have gone, you know, four or five rounds or six rounds, maybe. But I think Josh was so good here. I think he was really, really up for this. And he looked like he was just really enjoying himself. And uh, and I thought he was excellent from start to finish. And I think um, I, I I totally agree. I'm, I'm going to close the podcast today with, um, with what they said on Sky Sports, which was during the part which said, if you haven't seen him before and you wonder what the fuss was all about, that's what the fuss was all about. And I thought, Do you know what? You're absolutely right. A loads of people, it was really clear, were getting on the bandwagon against Joshua. And like these kind of fights is exactly why um, we're kind of trying to wet, wet, wet the whistle ready for some real monsters that are coming up in the next couple of episodes. So I look forward to those, mate. Thank you for your time, Dave, as always. Um, thank you to our producer, Ben, for putting this out. Thank you for uh, hosting us on your podcast network. Please listen to the other podcasts in the network as well. I'm sure Ben will give you all of the details in the in the in the bit that he puts at the end because I can never remember all the details. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And Dave, it's occurred to me that we are predicting Josh Kelly versus uh, Mr. David, um, and the podcast may not even be out by the time that fight's uh, by the time that fight's taken place. So in that case, we might already be wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> we probably will be. So we look forward to it. Dave. Thanks again, mate. Appreciate thank it. You. Bye. Thanks for listening to the From the Canvas podcast, brought to you by the Views from the Sofa Network. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get involved in the conversation? Then find us on social media. Just search for From the Canvas podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.